Welcome back to Entertainment Geekly, your guide to all things sci-fi, fantasy, awesome, not-so-awesome, weird, excessively weird, a lot of different things. Uh, I'm Darren Franich. With me, as always, is Entertainment Weekly's very own glamour boy, Jeff Jensen. Glamour boy, wow. It just, I, I, I love your introduction. I, you know, this is the only one, the reason why I do the podcast anymore, Darren, is just to know how you're going to introduce me. It's, it's a real thrill for me. So well, thank you. Well, well, and well, and it's funny, Jeff. All I do at work now when I'm not podcasting is work on these introductions. I, I literally go through hundreds each week. I, I test them out on, on random bystanders. So uh, you know, this this reflects a lot of a, a lot of effort goes into those introductions. No effort goes into the rest of the podcast, though. So um, <laughs> that's very true. We just make it up as we go along, um, and uh, and we have the best jobs in the world, apparently. We do, yes, uh, and 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 we're paid millions of dollars a year too, according to our yeah. commenters, um, yeah. Jeff. Jeff, uh, it's it's an exciting time right now. Uh, you know, all the all the little boys and girls around the country are very excited. We just published our magazine just published our summer movie preview, uh, the the biggest movie season of the year, except maybe for that weird period between Thanksgiving and Christmas. A lot of big movies coming out. A lot of movies that we've actually talked about in depth already on this podcast using our skills of geek premonition. Um, we're going to be running through uh, some of the kind of big geeky releases of the season. Uh, now, now, Jeff, I've constructed a grading scale for our excitement of these movies uh, in honor of Star Trek Into Darkness. Uh, the, the scale goes from Wrath of Khan to Final Frontier. Wrath of Khan, of course, being the best we're most excited for. Final Frontier, we're least excited for this. Shatner is directing. It's about God or something. Spock has a secret brother. That's at the low end. Does Wait, that Spock had, Spock had a secret brother? Spock had a secret brother in Star Trek V: The Final Frontier. I'm not sure if he was a half brother or a step brother, or like he, he had a beard and he was a messiah. It was it was very confusing. And uh, again, I, 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 I want to mention again, that's the movie that William Shatner directed. The great William is, Shatner. Is that the one, you know, I know Shatner directed the one, is that the one where it starts with him like climbing a mountain or something like that? It begins with him climbing a mountain, curiously using no mountain climbing technology whatsoever. Um, despite the fact that it's in the future, it it, it does feature one great scene where uh, you know he has the line about uh, "I've always known I'll die alone." Very key to the Kirk mythology. Everything else from there sort of goes from bad to worse. There's flashbacks. The Enterprise isn't working correctly. It's 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 not a great movie. Is 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 what I'm saying, Jeff. Uh, I, I- Right. Um, Yeah, it's fitting then it should be on the low end of the scale because I think I watched the first 20 minutes of it and then gave up on it. So (laughs) I sort of of like the definition of not excited slash no, like uh, like uh, the undiscovered country is 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 the perfect uh, F for for our grading scale. Um, wait, wait, wait. Un- undiscovered country. Now, now, well, now, I'm Jeff. What, 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 what is what, what final is this? final frontier? Uh, you can you can remember it because like okay, this is this is this is this is a classic podcast because I'm just completely confused. Our our our, our grading scale is already falling apart at the seams. Final frontier was the fifth movie, uh, which began with the mountain climbing scene. You know, it, it was oh. the '80s mountain climbing so hot right now. Undiscovered country was. I would argue a a sleeper hit of the original series movie franchise. That's where Christopher Plummer played the evil Klingon. Kirk and Spock went to prison, and Samantha from Sex and the City played a evil traitorous Vulcan. So, when the hell was that movie? Was that three, three or six? That was six. Um, the the six movies in the original series, Jeff, were The Motion Picture, Wrath of Khan, Search for Spock, Voyage Home, Final Frontier, and Undiscovered Country. Uh, so Undiscovered Country is the one where he died. No, no, that was like the that was the first Next Generation. One. Yes, yes, exactly. That was the oh, the Days it. of Future Past of the franchise, which which connected the two strands of the Star Trek universe together into one mediocre whole. Yes, that's so where he I just completely rebooted like Undiscovered. I, I remember the title but just remember nothing about the movie. It's completely <laughs> been rebooted out of my brain. <laughs> well, well, we're going to reboot it back into your brain, uh, Jeff. And uh, we'll, Listeners, look forward to our five-hour podcast where I try to explain the Star Trek series to Jeff Jensen. <laughs> where, where we try 
try to explain our, our, our grading scale for this year's summer movie previews. We, we need a podcast devoted to that. To, uh, okay, Jeff. Um, uh, Jeff, I'm, I'm I'm already working on the five thousand word essay to explain our grading scale. But let's let's just dive right in here. Let's let's get started. Uh, you know, lest lest we're still here when the first summer movie comes out. Jeff, May third, May uh, first big sort of summer blockbuster of the summer, Iron Man three. The threequel in the Iron Man franchise, the, I think, sevenquel in the Grand Marvel Studios franchise. Uh, we know it's a little darker. We know Shane Black is involved. Uh, you know, what are, what are your kind of thoughts just from what you've seen and read about this movie so far? Well, you know, it's a Walt Disney release, and I and I have a slight conflict of entry, uh, a conflict of interest with Walt Disney movies. So, um, but I I have been on record as saying that, um, um, you know, before my, my conflict of interest, is saying that like uh, the how the Avengers has sort of really kickstarted my interest in the whole next wave of Marvel films. So, um, I, I I am. Uh, looking in, uh, forward to this, and um, I was a huge fan of, um, of 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 Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how how, how Shane is sort of going to like uh, 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 deal with this material. It, it's interesting. It feels like in a weird way this movie has almost in a sense has a more difficult job than Avengers did. I mean, like there's been so much talk about how Avengers had to kind of bring together these different strands, these different genres, make it sort of work. This is sort of the first movie where it's like, okay, now you've seen the big mega superhero get together. Now we're going to try to make just one of those superheroes as interesting and like as sort of fun. And so I, I, I feel like this movie kind of has a lot riding on it. For, for me, what, what intrigues me so far is that it really seems like they're owning the kind of, you know, political thriller, uh, you know, kind of born identity, but with superheroes genre that, that the earlier movies sort of more flirted with. I mean, you know, to be, to be blunt, the Mandarin literally looks like he's sort of Osama bin Laden meets Saddam Hussein meets, you know, Colonel Kurtz from Apocalypse Now. So I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how that works out. Personally, I'm not so sure that this this for me is the Marvel film in phase two that I'm kind of least excited about. I mean, I'm sort of more intrigued by what little I've seen about the next Thor, the next Captain America and certainly Guardians of the Galaxy. But but for me, this is a a search for Spock, if you will. Like I I, I don't think it'll be as good as some of the earlier movies, but I feel like it, it does seem to have its own kind of darkening tone, which which seems really interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the, the Mandarin was a villain that had been rumored to be part of the first um, Iron Man movie, and um, for various reasons, yeah, he, he he didn't appear in that movie because a they, well, they just weren't interested in dealing with it. But b I, I didn't know. It sounded like that the filmmakers at that time really kind of didn't know how to approach and put their spin on ultimately what was a character that was kind of like uh, created in the '60s and had some, you know, you know you know, uh, political, racial kind of things that made everyone kind of uncomfortable. There were some incredible foundational problems with the Mandarin as rendered in the comic book. Even even putting that aside, he had magic rings from space. So I, I there were I, I can understand why they kind of kicked that can down the road for the first couple movies. Right. But, you know, uh, it sounds, you know, so I'm looking forward to seeing how they sort of, like, conquered that problem. And uh, Ben Kingsley in almost anything guarantees uh, an interesting character Characterization. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, wise once again, I think, of Marvel to stake out a first movie of the summer season positioning, right? Yep, yep, that, absolutely. Really help, help, help that movie, you know, uh, it, it, it might, you know, might be a little even critic proof, you know. It's, mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be the movie that gets us excited for the summer movie season, gets just a lot of people back in the movie theaters, and, and uh, it, it'll probably do really well. Anything that gives Guy Pierce work is 
okay by me. I, 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 I'm, I I'm on board with Guy Pierce as well. Yeah. <laughs> so where, where where does Iron Man three fall on the Star Trek you know excitement scale for you? I was I I, I was saying search for Spock for me. Uh, search for Spock is sort of like a, a, a very middling entry in in the Star Trek scale. Not as good as Wrath of Khan, but does have a lot of sort of interesting stuff happening. And that's also the film, Jeff, where where Captain Kirk's son died. So it has that kind of like dark, sort of like sad melancholy to it that some of the other Star Treks don't. So I'm 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 reasonably excited for Iron Man three. I, I, I share your search for Spockish excitement for Iron Man three. Now that we've confused everyone, Jeff, let's let's confuse them even further by going right into the inspiration for this grading scale. Uh, Star Trek Into Darkness hits theaters two weeks later. Uh, there's been a lot of pre-release buzz for this movie for I don't know maybe about four years now. Uh, a lot of you know, intrigue over who exactly Benedict Cumberbatch is playing and, and, and what that might mean. Uh, you know, Jeff, I, for me, even putting all that aside, I, I find myself kind of watching and re-watching the trailer for this movie just because you know, it's really colorful. I mean, I and I, the, the sense is silly to say, but, you know, whenever I watch the trailer, it just seems like, you know, there's these cool kind of neon red lights and, you know, they're jumping around this exotic alien landscape and there appears to be a scene where Spock is fighting Benedict Cumberbatch on some flying cars and they're jumping from one car to the next. I mean, it it feels like whatever else they're going for here, it's going to be a, a real kind of ride, which which I'm I'm definitely kind of excited for, at least like, like at that point in the summer movie season. Yeah, um, of all the movies this summer, the one that's hardest for me to talk about because, like, serious conflict of interest here in that uh, uh, I'm making a movie with Damon Lindelof and Damon helped make this one. So, uh, like, uh, I'm excited for this movie as well. Jeff, can you just can you just rate, uh, what do you think about Damon Lindelof as a person? Not not about his movies. Is he is he a Wrath of Khan? Is, is he a Voyage Home? <laughs> <laughs> He's, uh, he, uh, I, I, uh, you got me there, Darren. I, I, I no comment. No comment. Uh, yep. I'm like I think at, I, I, at any given moment he can be any one of them. <laughs> we'll put that on on his uh, on his poster. Uh, but right, but right now, in terms of uh, in terms of you know what what a cool guy he's, he he is in my life right now. He's totally wrath of Khan. In that case, uh, let's let's move right along then, Jeff, uh, to a movie that uh, I, I know you have a huge conflict of interest with. Uh, in light of your in light of the fact that you work out with many of the stars, Jeff, Fast and Furious Six, starring your gym buddies <laughs> Vin Diesel and Dwayne Johnson. And 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 listeners, I'm I, I'm not joking here. I mean, like in in terms of whenever these three guys get together, it's just oiled up biceps right and left. I mean, it, it, it really makes me feel like a puny human by comparison. Jeff, now, Darren, Darren, before we go any further, I think you have a conflict of interest in this movie in that you are way too interested in this <laughs> uh, I, Jeff, I, I've, I've been on the record with my excitement for Fast and Furious 6. Uh, this is, but this is something where, you know, uh, listeners, I have to admit a slight conflict of interest. I've already seen Fast and Furious 6. Oh! Yes, yes, I have. I'm, I'm, I'm sworn to secrecy about everything. So all that, all that I can say is, as far as my excitement for it opening and getting to see it again, it's beyond Wrath of Khan for me. So that's oh, that's. Fine. But, uh, but you know, I, 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 I want to talk a little bit here. You, you know, Jeff, uh, one kind of news beat that has come up with this movie is that this, this may in fact be the swan song for director Justin Lin, who, as you know, being a fast scholar, has shepherded the franchise ever since the great underrated B-movie Tokyo Drift. This really feels like, you know, there's there's a sense that, that they want to go out with a bang with this one. Uh, I'm, I, 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 I get the sense that this is the movie that may actually change certain skeptical people's minds about the Fast franchise. So... You know what, like, in, in the history of this podcast, Darren, I, I've given you a lot of grief about your, your belief, your, your evangelical, zealous belief in the cultural significance of this franchise, and you've won me over. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm here to say that this is probably teetering between Wrath of Khan and 
um, and Voyage Home. Wow! Uh, in terms of like my excitement for this, I think that I think we're ready for. I think the mainstream. I mean, well, this, these movies have been huge mainstream hits. Although I think, as you pointed out in your some some of your uh, coverage, it, the the fan base for these movies is very. Uh, it's very interesting. It's a real snapshot of changing demographics of movie going in America in general, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, well, and 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 you know, it's it's reflected very much in the cast and crew of the film. I mean, you know, Vin Diesel and and Dwayne Johnson both kind of have that "we are the future of, of humanity" look to them. And even the fact that you know, again, one of the funny running jokes of the series is that you know Paul Walker, who when the series started was kind of the big star. I mean, he was coming off of like teen movies, teen exploitation films, she's all that and everything. At this point, he's kind of playing the token white guy in the movie, which is, you know, certainly, I think it, it, it's an interesting talking point for the changing demographics of America. Uh, that's what that's what the series is really all about, Jeff. <laughs> it's that culturally significant. Um, but look, I, I, I look at this movie, and what you've kind of won me over on is that I just think that we're... Um, you know, we've just had a lot of heavy, dark, like heady, um, uh, you know, blockbusters. You know, the Christopher Nolan era of, of you know, superhero making, and I, I love those movies. But there's something about Fast and the Furious, which kind of in my height of sort of like really loving sort of like the darker, like brainier modality, I kind of like, you know, turn my nose up at sort of like the, 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 the fast and furiouses of the world. But I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm in a real mood for that kind of thing right now. I've, I'm, I'm a late adopter, but I'm coming around to it. And the movie just from the trailers just seems like pure fun. Yes, yes, exactly right. Well, and I think there's a sense that that's really what they're going for. I mean, you know, again, I would I, I, I would never argue against the sort of really interesting era of, you know, cerebral, uh, well-acted, well-written, emotional, considerably well-thought-out-on-a-foundational-level blockbusters. But there is a sense with these movies and, you know, with, with this one even just from the trailer that, you know, maybe that, that foundational level isn't as hugely conceived as your typical Star Trek or Dark Knight sequel. But boy, when it, when it comes time to just sort of like put up and do interesting, fun things on screen, they, they, they really seem to, to nail it. So. And it seems to be a, a franchise that has a lot of fun with itself and there's a lot of, in, of, of intertextuality, I guess, between the movies and among the movies and kind of building out this world of the whole thing. Like, yes. That's what I've been kind of catching up on in terms of, of, of reading about it and even, uh, I must admit, reading some of the spoilers about this movie. Yes. Like, um, it, it, it sounds like it's actually a pretty compelling world uh, to, to get lost in. Jeff, they're they're making the modern American mythology. That's what's happening with this with this series. Um, it really is the next loss. The, <laughs> the next Sopranos, really. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, please. It's the next Mad Men. Um, oh, okay. All right, then. so we're 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 excited. We're excited for that movie. Uh, we'll do a huge deep dive into it. I'm sure when it comes out. When 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 Jeff Jensen walks out, completely evangelizing the Fast franchise after trying to hold off on it for so long. Um, Jeff, I, 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 I want to move on here. There's a film coming out which, given the talent involved, would have been very exciting about five to seven years ago, and now I'm not so sure. Uh, After Earth, starring Will Smith and Jaden Smith, uh, original title was Take Your Son to Work Day, uh, and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, oh, wow. what, what we've seen of this movie from the trailers, uh, it's Will Smith playing a character whose name, I believe, is Cypher Rage, sort of a futuristic oh, space no. general. <laughs> futuristic space general takes his son, who's some sort of like military space uh, washout, uh, they crash land on the, the the most dangerous planet in the galaxy and have to go on a mission to escape. Jeff, would you believe it that that planet is Earth? No spoilers here. It's, it's in the title. Um, I, I have to admit that uh, when it comes to the big summer movies, I'm not sure any film has interested me less so far. I... <laughs> 
I, 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 I really want to be excited about this movie, and I, I like this idea of this sort of old-fashioned, you know, guy on a mission. We need to get to that mountain to get to the distress beacon. But I, you know, as as someone who still really defends Unbreakable and and even Signs, I, I'm not so sure if M Night Shyamalan has won me over lately. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a huge gulp, isn't it? You know, like, uh, in terms of, like, uh, five, seven years ago, that movie would have been on paper pretty exciting. And um, I, I do like Will Smith a lot, and I used to champion M. Night a lot, um, even when he was at the height of his powers and super annoying. I mean, he's been alienating for a while, even <laughs> when he makes good movies. Um, but, I, but I like that about him. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. You know, like I, I, I took my son. Talk about a father-son movie. I took my son to Avatar: The Last Airbender because that, you know, that was my son's like, you know, most favorite thing in the world and one of the great cartoons and mythologies in modern television. You know, and so it was just like, please, M Night, make this your big comeback movie and really rock the adaptation and it broke both of our hearts and oh, i will never forgive what m night Shyamalan did to my child oh. no, but um but you know it's like so yeah i'm not i'm not you know like on paper like real, i'm i am really uh, wary of this movie but i will say that on a premise level like i'm not as i'm not as i'm not i'm not opposed to this premise it actually doesn't sound that terrible. It, it, it is sort of in this this interesting new subgenre of these big stars taking on these post apocalyptic projects. Uh, you know, th- this weekend Tom Cruise is in Oblivion, which, if nothing else, we know has a great soundtrack by M83. So it, it, it is it, it does seem like 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 concept here is cool, and you know, follow through is a little bit hazier at this point. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like. Um, uh, where are we on the scale of Star Trek here? Uh, it, 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 I, I don't know if it's, uh, I think it's undiscovered country. You think it's undiscovered country? Okay. What does that, what does that mean to you, Jeff? <laughs> that, 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 that is on our six point grading scale where like, you know, there are six Star Trek movies and that rates excitement, and, and Wrath of Khan is like the, the highest, the most excitement, uh, most excited we could be about a movie. I'm putting Undiscovered Country at number five on that position. So, okay. Like, like it, it could be worse. Yes, it, you know, like, yes, I'm, absolutely. I could have less enthusiasm for the movie. Right, but right. Just one unit less. Right. We'll before see, I'm not enthusiastic at all. We'll we'll have to we'll have to see which movie fills that uh, fills that lowest rung later. Yeah. For me, actually, I I would even say this for me is kind of the motion picture, sort of one note up, where I get the sense that it's not going to really be that good, but it might look pretty cool. You know, like, like that for me has sort of always been the defining thing with the first Star Trek movie. Not really that great. Pretty slow. Pretty boring. A lot of kind of sci-fi hooey that never connects, but very cool. And you know, if it, if it were ever playing in, in in a local theater, you know, I might I might be willing to pay. Well, I might be willing to sneak in to see it. So I'm I, we'll we'll have to see how, how, how this pans out. Uh, I think if we're, if, if we're liking the movie, what we're going to be talking about is something that I actually don't think is a given, right? Mm-hmm. Which is that Will Smith and and his son Jaden have somehow managed to actually replicate. Their, you know, what, what is hopefully a, a great father-son chemistry in real life on screen. I don't think that's that's easy to do on screen. Yes, yes. That on screen, and 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 if they do, I think that we're 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 going to be we're going to be talking about that quality. Absolutely. Heart, heartwarming summer movie. Is it being released on Father's Day? It's being released on on, on June seventh. When is Father's Day? Said the bad son. <laughs> I believe it's probably the weekend after. Well, so, so uh, will this be a Jensen Jr. field trip, Jeff? Um, which is which is what I'm naming your son now. <laughs> only 
only only if our movie critics tell us that it's worth it. Probably. Let's let's move right along to a movie that definitely is not fit for children. Uh, this is the end. The apocalypse comedy starring pretty much everybody you recognize from the Judd Apatow clan playing themselves. Seth Rogen as Seth Rogen, James Franco as James Franco, Jonah Hill, Danny McBride, uh, the guy from Undeclared. Uh, th- this this movie, Jeff is the one that I kind of have the most trouble with on a foundational level. I, I've I've kind of reached this point where I'm skeptical of, by nature, of any project that's built around a Hollywood star kind of making fun of themselves by playing themselves. And this feels to me like the moment when Hollywood literally just devours itself and then vomits itself back out. Sort of a, a, a reverse Ouroboros, if you will. So I'm, I am skeptical about this movie, even though certainly everyone involved has a pretty decent track record. I mean, is this, is this even kind of on y- your radar, Jeff? Well, you know, I'm suddenly realizing that I, I can't really complain about anything uh, having sort of being confused on a foundational level um, now that we're about a half an hour into this podcast. <laughs> uh, see our creating scale. Um, I, I actually disagree with you. I, I actually find the premise of all of this actually really interesting. Um, a comedy about sort of like um, uh, a, a post-apocalyptic scenario or apocalyptic scenarios, I think I'm more interested in that than just another film that kind of gives us another sort of like apocalyptic or post-apocalyptic you know, condition, like you know, a, a more serious sci-fi thing like like a, a, a Oblivion or sure. After Earth, you know? But a, a comic treatment of that, um, which is why I'm really excited, probably even more excited about another movie I think that we'll probably be talking about at the end of this podcast. Um, but um, but and, 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 and the self-referential qualities of it, the Seth playing Seth and Franco playing Franco of it all, like, I actually think that makes it even more interesting. So uh, uh, I'm in. It's probably a search for Spock for me. This is a search for Spock for you. Well, I, I, I have to admit, for me, this is a little bit more of an undiscovered country. I, 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 I'm, guess, I, I'm, I'm worried that a lot of the comedy is going to be predicated on Rihanna. What are you doing here? Emma Watson. Whoa, how crazy. And you're saying swear words, too. But we'll see. I, 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 I do want to see it on principle, though. That's definitely a must-see, if only so I can have good ammunition for saying why I don't like it. Um, I, I, I do want to move us right along, though, Jeff, because this next one I know is going to be a big release for us, for geeks everywhere, for all of humanity and beyond. Uh, the long-in-the-works, still kind of mysterious, much-discussed Superman reboot, Man of Steel, hits theaters on June 14th. Uh, th- there's so many kind of big names involved in this. Zack Snyder is directing. Christopher Nolan is producing slash godfathering. David Goyer, who of course helped co-write all the Dark Knight movies, wrote the screenplay. Uh, this is this is a movie where I I find my expectations for it seem to shift all of the time. The, the, the trailers look. Beautiful. I, I think there's there's no way around that. I, I've always kind of enjoyed the sort of Terrence Malickian vibe that they've been giving off, if only because my secret dream is for Terrence Malick to make a superhero movie. So I, I'm, I, I'm excited for it. My one skepticism with it has always been... You know, after all this talk about how Superman Returns was a movie that, you know, Warner Brothers and everyone seemed to agree was not what they really wanted to do and was a little bit, you know, maybe too overly dramatic and maybe, you know, too kind of messianic. This movie, except for a shaky camera, doesn't seem to be that much different from that. And so I, I, I for me, it's more just like I'm, I'm intrigued to see after working and reworking and reworking the tone, what they've kind of wound up with as their kind of modern Superman now. But what do you, what's your kind of opinion on the latest Superman reboot? And just to be clear before I riff on that, you were comparing, you're basically saying, you just said that this, this new Superman project doesn't seem to be terribly different than the Brian Singer-like project. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which, which, and by the way, I, I should say, I, I'm sort of slightly more a fan of the Brian Singer project than I think some people are. So I'm not opposed to anything that feels like that. Just to, to me, it's interesting because it seemed like for so long the intention was to move as far away as possible from that kind of tone. 
Yeah, and, and, and what you're seeing so far tells you that there really is no significant difference. I, well, and again, what I'm seeing so far is, you know, it, 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 they've certainly moved completely away from the idea of doing, you know, the, 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 the lovable notion of doing a sequel to Superman 1 and 2. They've moved away from that visually, and they've kind of added in the shaky camera, you know, bleached out color scheme, except for Superman's red cape. Visually, it looks interesting, but I, you know, given that I, I, I was sort of wondering, you know, would they go more in a kind of Grant Morrison tone? Would it be really old-fashioned? Would it be more fun? It doesn't feel that removed from Superman Returns to me so far, based entirely on trailers. So I'm, I'm, I'm sort of intrigued and confused would be my, uh, you know, two-word rundown of, of what I just tried to say. <laughs> It could be because I know a whole lot more about this movie than you do, um, you know, having kind of um, cover, covering it. I didn't write our, our, our story for the summer movie preview, but I'll be writing future coverage and having been on the set and knowing kind of a lot about it. Um, I really do think, like thematically and in the DNA, we're talking about a really different animal. Mm-hmm. And I actually see that in the trailer, to be honest with you. I mean, let, let, let's – I mean – one of the things that we don't really talk about that trailers have talked about yet, which is probably its most explicit point of difference, is just the force of antagonism. Like, we're not talking about jokey supervillains like Lex Luthor anymore, you know? Um, and, you know, we're talking about a whole new treatment of Zod and the Kryptonians that is far and away from sort of the disco-suited Terrence Stamp goofballs of Superman <laughs> you know? I mean, um, we're talking about... Um, it, their whole treatment of Krypton is going to be unlike um, anything we've seen in a, super move, a Superman movie to date. I mean, it's very different from what we got from the first two Superman movies, um, which, which were enjoyable. But I mean, like, just the, their, their, the way that they've conceived Krypton, the way they conceive conceived Kryptonian culture, the way that you're going to see that Kryptonian's politics and their culture is very much a metaphor for, for our times. And now how this fight, there is a sort of conflict on that, on, on that doomed planet that is going to be imported to our world. And how this sort of affects um, a Superman who, yes, shares that sort of melancholy, that sort of like Oliver Stone, uh, that sort of Charlie Sheen in Wall Street who am I? Kind of like, you know, like soul-searching. Um, we, we, you know, we were introduced to that kind of Superman and Superman Returns, um, and, and, and Henry Cavill is sort of like a different kind of take on that. But, but I, I think they're really kind of hitting it more head-on in a more, much more relevant way. I mean, like the, the, the trailers suggest rightly that this is a guy who was raised by a different kind of Ma and Pa Kent that we've seen from any other Superman movie, like a, a Ma and Pa Kent that had a much more, like, you know, you know, like, hide your secret from the world, and, you know, maybe you shouldn't be a Superman to everyone, and, you know, you're different, and people are going to punish you for being different, and, you know, be careful about that, and, like, um, they're, they're, they're not the goody-goodies uh, and, and, and noble parents of, of, of previous Superman movies. I, I'm really, I find that super provocative, and so we're going to be introduced to, like, a a late blooming Superman who in his late twenties and early thirties is really kind of lost in life and is trying to figure out like what's the best way like to sort of like, you know, express himself and, and, and to interact with the world and, 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 and kind of all in pursuit of this sort of more interesting question, which is what is, what should be the defining superhero archetype of our times? What is the Superman of now? You know, um, I think the movie's wrestling with that question in a way that previous Superman movies have never really wrestled with that question. And they've turned that into a really compelling, I think what's going to be a really compelling story. I'm really high on this movie. The way you feel about, um, about, about Fast and the Furious. Fast like, Six. About, about Wrath of Khan Plus, you know. It's, <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I, I think creatively, you know, like, and, and in terms of all the storylines in the movie, it's just got all the, all the things that are really interesting to me. I mean, like, we have a, a potential real star-making turn for, for Henry Cavill, and we have, like, a really interesting kind of, like, um, a, a Mo 
moment in the life of Zack Snyder, who's been making really interesting movies for a while, but the, his last few movies have been flawed or just haven't hit. And 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 well, maybe, well, and, well and, and this is a little bit. So this, I'm, not, this, I'm really interested in this. Well, this is sort of what I wanted to ask you, Jeff, because you know you you are definitely much more kind of on board and excited for this than I am. A big part of my skepticism is the Zack Snyder thing. I mean, I I tried my best to sit through Sucker Punch, and I I, I would lightly describe that as an incoherent mess of epic proportions. Uh, I, I th- There were parts of Watchmen that I liked, but I, the cumulative effect of that was not really what I was expecting. And frankly, I, I never liked 300 that much at all, but... I, I love Dawn of the Dead, and I love kind of his ambitions. Do you feel like, is this going to kind of be Zack Snyder brings it all together? I mean, like, is this sort of, not to say his redemption, but is this really his sort of particular skill set has finally matched, has finally found the right material? I'm not saying, that I'm, not, I'm not making any promises that he's going to succeed. What I'm, what I'm getting at is that I think that everything that you're, you're, you're describing now, and I've, and I've liked Zack's movies um, a lot better than uh, a lot more than, than than you have, including Sucker Punch, which I understand all of its of all the arguments against it. I still found its incoherent, messy messiness to be actually really fascinating. Um, <laughs> Some and, of and, and, com- and compelling and visually, I, I I do like his images a lot. Like, um, but what I think though is that even he recognizes that this is an opportunity to stretch, to grow, to try new things, from his use of handheld camera to a more naturalistic style. I think he's probably working with the best cast he's ever had, the most thought-out script that he's ever had. Um, I think that he sees this as a moment to kind of show that he could do a lot more and, and, and be like a quote-unquote mature filmmaker in his genre. And, uh, and I think he's going to swing for it. I want to see if he, he clears the fences. All right. For, for you, this is Wrath of Khan Plus. For me, it's, it's, a little, it's a little closer to Voyage Home. Definitely intrigued by it. Jeff, can you confirm or deny that Michael Shannon is actually playing Khan Noonien Singh in this movie, though? <laughs> yes. At one point, Zod rips off a Mission Impossible-esque skin mask and reveals that he is actually Ricardo Montalban as Khan, yes. Something to look forward to. Let's let's tootle forward here a, a, a little bit, Jeff, because I want to get to uh, the film World War Z, uh, a, a, a somewhat troubled production, a big sort of PG thirteen blockbuster starring Brad Pitt, who doesn't who doesn't usually do PG thirteen blockbusters. For me, you know, uh, uh, Jeff Boucher j- just wrote a great sort of cover story on this. I'm kind of just intrigued to see it, you know, putting aside all its problems, just because Brad Pitt. I, I feel like he's 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 got a pretty awesome track record. I mean, just thinking about the sort of work that he's done lately, he always seems like he you know he's he's not just doing projects for the sake of doing them. I'm sure that's part of you know part of what happens when you get to be an actor of of, of his level. I'm intrigued to see what in this material motivated him to do this kind of movie. I, I I'm I'm not so sure it's going to be good, but I, I get the sense that for lack of a better word, this might be an incoherent mess that I find kind of interesting. Intriguing. So I'm I'm, yeah. I'm 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 sort of loosely on board with with with, with seeing World War Z. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I am too. Probably for a lot of those same reasons. Um, uh, you know, reading just Jeff Boucher's like a great cover story on it, though it's it, it's funny that you want to watch this movie to kind of see what 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 Brad Pitt was. You know, what kind of movie he was interested in making because you know according to Jeff's uh, story, um, that's actually not the movie we're going to see. You know, yes, the, yes. <laughs> we, we, the, the, the movie he wanted to make, uh, uh, you know, according to uh, you know, what, what Brad told Jeff, is that it w- was completely different than the movie that they ultimately made. In fact, the movie that Brad wanted to make, you know, they realized after principal photography simply did not work. Um, and so, um, as it's been widely reported, um, they, uh, you know, they went back for a, a significant amount of reshoots with new material that was written by Damon Lindelof and Bing, Bing, um, Bing, <laughs> right? And Drew Goddard, um, who um, who uh, wrote and directed uh, um, Cabin in the Woods, 
Um, and so, um, you know, some, 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 some promise there, but it, it really does feel like we're getting like uh, a sort of like a, hopefully a really, you know, uh, compelling salvage of damaged goods. That's kind of what I just, I, 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 that's the vibe I get from this. Well, and, and this is also one of those movies, Jeff, where I, I think my interest in it is almost purely because, you know, as much as I do respond vis- viscerally to movies, you know, because of the work we do, th- there's a side of me that is sort of intrigued by these movies where you can kind of see the seams showing. I, I, I was, you know, my, my kind of go-to example of this is the film Hancock, which by all rights is not a very good movie, but I, I always remember like watching the DVD extras for Hancock. I happened to be traveling at the time. I was in a hostel where Hancock was playing and someone played the DVD extras, long story short. I was so struck by the fact that everyone attached to that movie seemed to have a very different idea of what the movie was. You know, like it, it was initially written as this sort of proto-kick-ass superhero dark comedy. Then they brought in Vince Gilligan to rewrite it. Vince Gilligan, of course, creator of Breaking Bad, legitimate genius, really wanted to give it this sort of mythological edge. Then you had Will Smith come in, and he kind of almost wanted to turn it into this weird meta story about how Will Smith became a superstar. Then they brought in Charlize Theron and had to kind of give her some stuff to do. Peter Berg wanted to make it an action movie. They let um, Patrick Bateman just riff. It's like, you, and, and in the movie itself, you can just see all these strange pieces operating together that don't quite fit. And I, I get the sense that that might be part of the allure of seeing World War Z for me. I, I, I can't imagine that being alluring for anyone else. So I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure this is going to be the the crowd pleasing event of the summer. Unfortunately. <laughs> right. I mean, um, yeah. I, but I have to say that um, clearly Paramount is raising its game, though, in terms of marketing the movie. Because I really kind of like the the posters and ads they've come up up, up for it so far. I mean. Uh, They've they've uh, they've had so far with it. I mean, uh, um, visually those those posters are really striking. But still, you know, I, I'm kind of played out on zombies. I mean, mm-hmm. as we know from this podcast, I can barely watch The Walking Dead, which is like an amazing show. But like, well, <laughs> you know, like, but uh, so like the prospect of watching um, another, you know, like. Um, uh, you know the prospect. I know it's based on a on 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 a on a novel that a lot of people like. I'm just I, I you know this I'm is on the low end. Of, I, I'm kind of wondering, even in the best case scenario, how excited I would really be for it right here, right now, because I mean, unless you know, I'm I'm I'm. I'm just not excited about uh, another zombie thing. This is this is on the low end. I think I I, I think for you this is a final frontier. For me this is for me this is, this is more of a Star Trek Generations, an awkward mishmash of things that really shouldn't go together, but might be interesting nevertheless for film scholars. Uh, I mean, wait, 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 wait. So, so for you, this movie kind of like passes into like a completely different grading scale. Well, again, it passes into a new grading scale just because as a movie, I'm not that interested in it as Got it. a sort of cumulative experience knowing what I know about it. I, I am very intrigued. I, again, for me, it's almost kind of like, let's play spot the tone that somebody thought they were going for that wound up mashing awkwardly with someone else's tone. So I, I think it'll be a fun game of whack-a-mole, not necessarily a good movie. Uh, Jeff, I, I need to move us along because there is a movie that... I think uh, is really putting aside any movie starring Vin Diesel is the movie I'm most excited for this summer. Jeff, Pacific Rim, the first finally completed feature film by Guillermo del Toro after half a decade of being attached to, I think, 30 different projects. Uh, We know this movie is about big monsters. We know this movie is about big robots. We know that this movie features Idris Elba giving a really stirring speech. I, I, for me... It's difficult for me to even compare my excitement with this movie to anything else because in addition to trying to do something that I think is sort of different in the summer movie landscape, this sort of old school, you know, big monster kind of action movie, just the look of it from what I've seen so far is so distinctive and so kind of eccentric. And it really reminds me why, you know, why I spent five years getting really excited about every potential new Guillermo del Toro project that came down the pike. So for me, this is definitely at that kind of Wrath of Khan level. But I, I, I'd be intrigued to see what, what, what you kind of feel about it. Oh, me too. 
You know, I, this is uh, maybe because I have Stanley Kubrick on the brain, um, but, you know, for, for com- some completely possibly inappropriate reason, as you were talking, um, I was thinking about Eyes Wide Shut. And, um, <laughs> and of course, I was thinking of the, of the sex scene. No. Um, <laughs> Which I, one? <laughs> I was thinking about the famous ad campaign, the only trailer I think they ever really did for that, the teaser ad, where it was just like a... Well, there was, I think, Nicole Kidman doing that striptease in front of the mirror, but it was just over and over again, like, Cruz, Kidman, Kubrick, <laughs> eyes wide shut, and just those words over and over again. If, you would, if, if, if Warner Brothers would create an ad for me that was just monsters, robots, del Toro, Pacific <laughs> Rim, like, I was like, I'm there. Like, you know? <laughs> Like so, yeah, Wrath of Khan. That was uh, the 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 original title. Jeff was actually Monsters slash Robots slash Del Toro. They had, they had to kind of like you know develop it from there. But yeah, I, I just I there's there's something about Del Toro's creative philosophy that I, I think is so distinctive. And I just I'm I'm I, and, and again there is that quality to this where you know not that sequels are bad by any means, but I, I am intrigued to see someone sort of develop something. You know, just you know, not from the position of you know crafting, recrafting an old story we've seen before. But you know, we're really doing, really trying to do something sort of new. So I, I, I think it's fair to say we'll we'll be first in line for that movie. Monsters, um, monsters, robots, Del Toro. <laughs> That's what I it's like someone took the inside of our brains and put it in a in a movie theater. I, I want to move us along a, a, a little bit here, Jeff. Uh, you know, uh, we 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 can't talk too much about Turbo, even though I'm sure you're excited about seeing Fast and the Furious done in terms of uh, performed entirely by snails. Here's what I want to talk about, though, Jeff. A movie that I, I really don't know what to think at this point. It's been in the works for so long. There was an earlier version of it that sounded so cool that fell apart completely for a wide variety of, you know, due to disasters both natural and personal. Jeff, The Wolverine comes out July 26th. This is the seventh movie in which, or the sixth or seventh or eighth or I don't know how many movies, in which Hugh Jackman has played one of the great American superheroes, even though he's Canadian. This movie looks bananas. Uh, like, I, I, I don't know if you've watched the trailer yet, but he's in Japan, he's fighting ninjas, they're bringing in the Silver Samurai, there's a crazy blonde chick who, uh, who seems to be wearing Uma Thurman's costume from Batman and Robin. Uh, your director James Mangold has talked a lot about how he was influenced by different westerns and Wong Kar Wai movies. I, I, I just don't even know what, what to expect out of this, honestly. And I, I guess I, I'm intrigued by that, if only because I thought after X-Men Origins Wolverine, I would never care at all about another Wolverine movie. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, this movie gets by for me um, and it piques my interest because of the Hugh Jackman of it all. And I'm, I, I really like Hugh Jackman as a, as, as a screen presence. Um, I've always liked his Wolverine. It, it definitely conjures um, a very fond geek memory for me of growing up reading comics and the Chris Claremont, Frank Miller um, Wolverine miniseries that really kind of cemented Wolverine as sort of like probably you know you know uh, one of the defining you know new superheroes of the of the late 20th century and and into now and that 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 story was so unexpected and so unusual because it was set in Japan and it dealt with the ninja thing and all that kind of stuff um, and I've always liked that aspect of 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 that character haven't necessarily been wild about how they've tried to bring it into the movies but um but you know like um as a guy who actually has not actually seen a wolverine origins i must say i kind of sat that one out so oh not, you're I'm not, I'm not, you're I'm not so lucky that experience. Oh, oh my goodness it's 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 one of the true calamities of uh, my my recent movie going experience if only because i was excited for it and it it couldn't have lived down to that excitement more <laughs> yeah i mean I've, I've seen some of it on um on 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 cable and um and and and, and kind of get a sense of uh, of uh, how it disappointed but you know, I do like Mangold, um, and uh, and I do like Hugh, and I like this character, and uh, I hold out hope. 
um, it probably occupies a it it it, it bear it it, it it jumps for the rung that is search for Spock and it barely catches on. <laughs> I, I I agree. This feels like a search for Spock. If nothing else, it, it it seems like they're trying to do something different with this sort of sub franchise before next year's Days of Future Past takes the whole X-Men franchise and throws it all together into a stew. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see what the reaction is to it. We're getting a little bit into the doldrums of August now, Jeff. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about another movie that I'm guessing we're both pretty excited about. August 9th, Elysium is released. uh, Follow-up film to District 9 by director Neil Blomkamp. Matt Damon, Jodie Foster, future, themes, metaphors, exoskeletons. The preview for this just hit. Uh, I am very excited for it. If nothing else, again, this is a movie where... However, however good or bad the plot winds up being, and I trust everyone involved with that, just the visuals so far have been really sort of interesting and distinctive. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this, and I, I, I like the fact that it feels like an attempt to do a, a sort of grown-up science fiction movie. You know, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't necessarily get too much of that nowadays, and I, I like that Blomkamp is really kind of carving out that territory for himself. And to be clear, like, uh, like this is in oblivion. This is not after Earth. <laughs> like, like, I, I, like that, that's my big problem for anyone who just knows, knows these movies now from their posters and their log lines. Like, you know, this is another sort of like post-apocalyptic kind of like sci-fi movie, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, and and don't forget about about Gravity, which is sort of similar and is coming out later this year. Directed by Alfonso Cuarón and starring Sandra Bullock. All the all the big stars want to get in on this fun post-apocalyptic space thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, definitely, I think that um, probably you know Elysium has more going for it. Uh, for at least for you and I, compared to uh, at least um, after Earth and and Oblivion, which I'm actually very interested in Oblivion. But um, you know, the Matt Damon of all, um, uh, the visuals look amazing. Um, I just hope that I'm not burned out on this genre by this time. And um, they're certainly selling kind of like a visionary sci-fi movie, and let's hope it is. I, I, I hope so, too. I mean, Jeff, let's get, let's get heavy for a second here. You know, Jeff, we like to keep it light here at Entertainment Geekly. Sometimes we tackle the big topics. Are, you, are, are, are we just kind of tired of this sort of post-apocalyptic environment? I mean, I, I, I as, a, as a recapper for The Walking Dead, I kind of had it mashed in my face for, you know, the last couple of months. And at a certain point, I just wonder, you know, when, when does that kind of whole genre run out of steam? And yeah. does, it, does it happen this year when we still have... You know, Hunger Games Part Two of Seven is coming out later this year. It, it, it feels like you know, are are we ready for a a pre-apocalyptic action film? <laughs> yeah, you know, the thing about movies, right, is they're they're um, you're, you're, the thing about movies that's 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 sort of that cultural crapshoot is that is that you, the movies that we're seeing um, this summer, or you know, the movies that we see today were greenlit, what, like two years ago? Yep. Like, if not more, written, whatever. So you're talking about, you know, creative people who are responding to a cultural condition at that time, and we're, 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 we're forecasting into the future and, and believed that um, it would still be relevant at that time. So it's interesting to think about when these screenplays for these movies were probably written, you know, at least 18 months to two years ago, if not more. You think about where we were culturally, um, I, and I think that we were, like, you know, wondering if, uh, you know, just, you know, where, we're, where we were going to go politically and where the economy yes. was going to go, and things seemed a little, you know, very, very uncertain. And um, as uh, I, I definitely think the national mood is more than anything reflected, uh, is, is determined by the economy. So I think we were predicting doom. <laughs> and, um, and, 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 and I think that we're seeing... You know, it, it's funny. I think that we, so. We see these movies that were written out of that kind of mentality. Yes, and 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 still kind of still communing with the with the post nine eleven like um, 
like political and, and geopolitical moment. Um, but these movies are now washing up on this shore at a time where I think that maybe, yeah, we're, we're still rattled by the like the recent past, but I think maybe we're more looking toward the future more so than ever before. And, yes. Or at least in, in compared to recent moments. So, yeah, like the big question about these movies is, like, you know, thematically, are, are, are we still in that space? Mm-hmm. I think a spectacle, you know, I think they may do well anyway because they have movie stars and they have spectacle and this is the season for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we just might go anyway. Yes. But thematically, do they hit us where, where we're living right now? Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. And I think we are ready to move out of the post-apocalyptic thing. Uh, Jeff, do we really want to see the healthcare debate reenacted in Fast and Furious Six? I'm, I'm I'm just not sure that people are are ready for for that kind of hardcore political allegory in action movies anymore. That's really that's that 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 is clearly the key marketing <laughs> issue. Uh, a lame joke, but uh, I, I I kind of liked it. So we're we're, we're excited for Elysium. Maybe not Wrath of Khan, uh, but maybe maybe Voyage Home. Voyage Home would be yeah. my kind of rough. No, I mean I want to. I mean, like of all the movies in this genre, I mean because of the talent involved and because of what we've seen in the recent trailer, I mean I think it's definitely taken a huge spike up. I mean, mm-hmm. just, just, I mean as we are recording this podcast. Um, you know, we, we are like a day or two beyond sort of the release of the trailer and that really haunting image of Matt Damon with a thing in the back of his head. And like, um, like it's definitely like, you know, gone up, the, gone up the charts of interest for me. So mm-hmm. it's not Wrath of Khan, but it is, what's number two on our list? Uh, Voyage I, Home? I, it's, 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 it's Voyage Home. I, I wish yeah. I could show the listeners. I have this really elaborate sheet here where I've, 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 I've mapped this all out and it's, it's shifted ten times over the course of this podcast. It, 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 it's definitely... Definitely Voyage Home for me. I don't know if I would have said that last week, but it's definitely Voyage Home for me today. Jeff, uh, let's do a quick, just uh, August sequel dumping ground showdown. Uh, which are you more excited for, Kick-Ass 2 or 300 colon Rise of an Empire? Um, uh, only, uh, you know, I would say Kick-Ass 2. Mm-hmm. I, I, it, 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 it does seem like there's maybe a little bit more fodder there. Although I will say, as someone who didn't even know there was going to be a, a, another 300 before I was assigned writing the preview entry for it, uh, I, I spoke to Eva Green, who's co-starring in it. Eva Green, of course, among her, among her many other uh, roles, one of the great Bond girls ever in Casino Royale. She was saying that this one apparently features uh, like a lot of naval battles, um, which, which could be interesting, you know. Navy stuff is always fun. I'm reaching here. Belly buttons? (laughs) (laughs) Jeff, Jeff, are are, are you sick and tired of post-apocalypses? Belly buttons are the next big thing for action movies. Let's let's move on here to the last kind of big release weekend of the summer. August 23rd, you've got the mortal instrument City of Bones, which uh, all of my young cousins say is something I should care about. I just can't be bothered. You also have Your Next, a horror movie that kind of comes out of the same group of horror guys like Ty West, who also did uh, House of the Dead, is involved in this movie. Looks like it's a lot of fun. But the main one I want to talk about here, Jeff, is uh, The World's End. Uh, Yet another apocalypse comedy. This one of course, comes from director Edgar Wright, cult hero for, among other movies, Shaun of the Dead, and um, I almost said Zac Efron versus the world. That's not the name of the movie. What is Scott what is Pilgrim. What, Scott, on, Scott Pilgrim? Scott Pilgrim versus. For some reason, I have Zac Efron on the mind, which I'll, which I'll probably talk about with my therapist later. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. One of my favorite movies. Uh, the World's End. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who, who, who mangled it into Zac Efron. Listen, listen. When you've when you've been talking for for, for about an hour, sometimes your brain goes weird places. The World's End. Uh, Simon Pegg, Ed, uh, Nick Frost back together again. Martin Freeman, late of the Hobbit. Uh, from what I understand about this movie, it's basically a group of old friends get back together, go on a pub crawl. Crazy stuff starts happening. Not even knowing much about it, I, this is really a movie I'm very. 
excited for. And when it moved up its release date to August, I, I got kind of even more excited for it. I mean, do, do you kind of feel like, you know, this is sort of them concluding that unofficial trilogy of Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Those are those are good good movies to sort of lead into this one, I, I think. So I, I'm kind of excited to see what they what they do with that sort of apocalypse genre thing. I'll tell you how excited I am about this movie. I'm in complete information shutdown about it. I don't want to know anything more about it, like just the track record of Edgar Wright um, and, um, and who made, for me, one, is one of my favorite movies of the new century in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Like I love that movie to pieces. Um, I love Simon Pegg. I love that cast. Um, I'm expecting a really kind of wild, fun, inventive time with a lot of heart, a lot of edge and humor, um, and a lot of visual style. And I really kind of don't want to know anything more about it. I just want, I want to go in that movie theater and just sort of be surprised and delighted by it as I am with all of Edgar Wright's movies. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. This is definitely top three for me for the summer. This is, this is, this is the movie where whenever people are talking about it, you'll spend the next few months putting your fingers in your ears and saying, nah, 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 don't want to hear about it. That's, is, is that, is, is that kind of what I'm, what I'm, what, 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 what? And, and it's not like it has huge, I mean, it's not like a Star Trek situation where it's like, don't tell me whether or not he's con or not. You know, like, um, it's not like I'm, I'm afraid of plot spoilers. I just want to, I just want, I mean, like, I'm always sort of surprised. That's one of the qualities I love about Edgar Wright movies is that you go into it and even if you know the premise, it's just filled with a lot of delight and, 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 and you don't know you know, in the midst of it where he's going to take you and all the little things he's going to go down. I just don't want, I just, I, I want, I want that experience again. So yeah, I just, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it a lot. Well, and, and of course it's, it's, it's interesting time for him that he is sort of, uh, it seems like at least for now sending off that sort of trilogy of films with the world's end right before he moves on to Ant-Man, which is, is certainly one of the more kind of intriguing projects on the horizon for the next couple of years. So uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun to see what, what, what he does with this one. Jeff, I think that about wraps up our preview, unless you have a lot of deep thoughts on the documentary One Direction, This Is Us. Uh, clearly Wrath of Khan. <laughs> clearly, clearly Wrath of Khan plus plus. Wrath of Khan plus Empire Strikes Back gets you uh, the One Direction documentary. Wrath of Khan OMG exclamation mark exclamation mark. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take that as an audio sample, Jeff. You saying OMG exclamation mark. Um, well, uh, listeners, uh, thanks for setting off with us on this strange journey through summer 2013. Uh, let us know which movies you're excited about, especially if you're excited about Fast and Furious Six. Um, and uh, as always, I'm Darren Franich. I'm Jeff Jensen. Thanks for listening. Uh,